So here I am, parked beneath that grand oak that Armstrong had moved because, why not? I look at the house and think of his yellow jerseys. A month after the United States Anti-Doping Agency released 1,000 pages of evidence against Armstrong and stripped him of his tour titles, he had tweeted a photo of himself lounging, arrogance itself, on an L-shaped couch in this house, his seven yellow jerseys hanging ceremoniously behind him. Back in Austin and just laying around, that was November 2012. Seven months later, will I find him still defiant? Before I can pull the keys from my car's ignition, a cherubic face under tousled curly brown hair appears at my window, and two small preschooler hands slap the glass. It's Lance's youngest son, Max. Armstrong stands behind him in flip-flops, wearing a black t-shirt over black basketball shorts that brush his scarred knees. His eyes are hidden by dark sunglasses. Say hi to Juliet, Max, Armstrong says. Hi, Juliet, Max says. Then he turns to his dad and asks for ice cream, a request that makes his father giggle, something I've never seen him do before. Yes, you get ice cream, Armstrong says. You've been good, buddy, real good. We walk up the front steps until Armstrong stops at the door. He moves his eyes to the tree, the house, the life he has enjoyed. Great place, right, he says. Yes, I say. Are you going to miss it? Armstrong doesn't want to move, he has to. His sponsors have abandoned him, taking away an estimated $75 million in future earnings. He would owe more than $135 million if he were to lose every lawsuit in which he is a defendant. To slow the burn rate, as he calls it, he has stopped renting a penthouse apartment on Central Park in Manhattan and a house in Marfa, Texas. Next to go is this Austin estate, traded in for a much more modest abode near downtown. His former sponsors, including Oakley, Trek Bicycle Corporation, Radio Shack, and Nike, have left him scrambling for money. He considers them traitors. He says Trek's revenue was $100 million when he signed with the company and reached $1 billion in 2013. Who's responsible for that, he asks. Fucking right here. He pokes himself in the chest with his right index finger. I'm sorry, but that's true. Without me, none of that happens. After his sponsors cast him aside, he tossed their gear. There's a chance you could catch a glimpse of one of his Dallas friends wearing Armstrong's custom-made yellow Nike sneakers with Lance embroidered in small yellow block letters on the shoe's black tongues. A Goodwill outlet in Austin is replete with his former Nike clothes and Oakley sunglasses. The movers who have packed up his guesthouse a week before I visited will have to contend with whatever brand-name gear is left in the garage black Livestrong Nike caps, black Nike duffel bags with bright yellow swooshes, Oakley lenses and frames, and a box of caps suggesting, yes, on Prop 15, a 2007 Texas bond plan for cancer research, prevention, and education supported by Armstrong. It was 1989 when Armstrong moved to Austin from Plano, a suburb of Dallas, showing up in this progressive town as a rough, combative, and pimply-faced teenager with frosted, wavy brown hair, a gold hoop in his pierced left ear, a silver chain around his neck with a dangling pendant in the shape of Texas, and a fake ID. On an income of $12,000 a year, and with the help of a local benefactor named J.T. Neal who had taken Armstrong in, he lived in a studio apartment for $200 a month. He dressed it up with an oversized black leather couch, a matching chair, and, above the fireplace— a red, white, and blue colored skull of a Texas longhorn. 
From a cramped studio to a sprawling estate, a reflection of Armstrong's ascension into modern American sainthood, a cancer survivor who beat the world's best cyclists in a grueling race, dated anyone he wanted, and made millions in the process. Armstrong loves this house. He loves its open spaces and floor-to-ceiling windows. He loves the lush, landscaped yard where his kids play soccer, and the crystalline pool, a negative edge pool, not an infinity pool, so get it right. Behind the house are rows of towering Italian cypresses. He moved here in 2006 after winning a record seventh Tour de France. He once said the place was his safe house. Inside it, nobody's going to mess with me. Having eluded near-constant attempts to expose his doping, he could take a left down the main hallway, then a quick right, and disappear into his walk-in wine closet to grab a bottle of Tina Nello and toast his good luck. On a table next to a couch is a 36-inch model of the Gulfstream jet.